Hey everybody, it's Tom from the Not A Foodie Podcast. Before we get into this next episode, I wanted to just take this opportunity to thank everybody for listening. We've been getting a lot of great feedback and um, as we've mentioned, we're sort of learning as we go on this podcast, so feedback is ultra super important to us. So if you've got anything to say, if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to email us. I am Tom at notafoodie.com. And you can also email Mike at notafoodie.com, or you can follow us on Instagram at notafoodiepics. That's notafoodiepics on Instagram. And that's it. So without further ado, we'll get you to the episode. This episode's about uh, our favorite cooking gadgets and, of course, some other things that we ramble about over the course of the episode. So enjoy it. Thanks. Bye. from the not a foodie studio which is not a studio it's just a dining room in queens new york it's the not a foodie podcast i am tom i'm mike and we're the not a foodie podcasting people (laughs) mike so what's going on what's been going on with you um last time we spoke uh i know that you uh had some really interesting things going on with your restaurant um, so Mike works at uh, a place called Sensicana. Sensicana, hottest new restaurant in Midtown. Apparently. So tell us a little bit, bit about that. So um, Sensicana is, it took like three, four years to actually go live. Um, it's called the $7 million restaurant because that's how much money has been put into it. It's a Japanese Peruvian restaurant. Peru has the largest Jap- second largest Japanese population in the world after uh, Brazil. The Japanese immigrants, first generation, are called Nikkei. But when you refer to uh, Nik- uh, the cuisine of the Japanese and Peruvian, the Japanese immigrants of Peru, it's called Nikkei cuisine. Okay. So it so even though you're Nikkei if you're in Brazil or if you're in America or anywhere else, Nikkei cuisine is Japanese Peruvian. Okay. And it's not fusion. The people have been there for over a hundred years. It's a real culture. So it's a it's a just a definitely definitely specific type of cuisine yes okay. uh it's japanese food with peruvian ingredients peruvian food with japanese ingredients but it it isn't just something like a chef dreamed up so this restaurant i mean i've known mike for years um and i read about this restaurant not knowing that mike and the people that he works for it's were the christos dudes yeah and, and i it's it, when he says it's the seven million dollar restaurant i mean it's been written about in the in the papers here for a while about this you know you, what did you guys do you took over a it couple was, of different spaces it two was spaces three in spaces three it's different spaces part of in this uh the address is 28 west 44th street and it's uh it's an office building uh-huh so we're right to the left of it <laughs> right to the left it was three different businesses it was a red sauce joint called figaro Mm-hmm. I've I've heard it called as a red sauce joint and a dive bar and a pizza place. So it's I something. Know the place, yeah, oh. I, yeah. I, I've I've definitely. I used to have an office on Forty uh, Fifth and Fifth. So oh, wow. I used to eat at F- Cafe Figaro or just Fi- no Cafe Figaro was on downtown. This was just Figaro's. Yeah. Yeah. So it was this red sauce joint. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Then the this where the sushi bar is it was a tailor shop, and then our private dining room in the very far back was a barber shop. So is it three separate spaces? They're all they were all like ABC. Like okay. they were all. So the they, same it was all owned by the same. It was like, all owned by the the building, building. But you had to separately acquire the, the leases. Wow. 
wow. And then do the construction, and now it's crazy. one giant yeah, And, and also, Figaro only had a, a kitchen underneath. We blew out the basement and finished it, and now that's a prep kitchen, and that's where okay. they do sushi catering from as well. So there, there's a whole other business that goes down in the kitchen too. It's really incredible. Well, and so when did you open? Uh, like two and a half months, three months ago. Two and a half months ago, and so it was the end of the summer. You know? No, we we so we did friends and family for a month because we got pushed. We thought we were going to open on the state, then we got like bad news and couldn't get open. But I had a staff trained already. Mm-hmm. And if we had to let them go, that's literally at least another month. Yeah. And then we would just be straight up behind schedule. So we did friends and family a few days every week for a month. We did about 12 full days, lunch and dinners of friends and family. And um, from there, we finally were able to start charging people. And we went live. And our first day we were open, we did 30 covers. 30. So 30. 30 people. Uh, a, yeah, a cover 30, is a person. A person. Right. So thirty covers over the course of how many hours? Like a dinner. A dinner. Dinner. Wow. Lunch was whatever. I don't remember, but dinner we did yeah. thirty covers. So so that was then. That was two and a half months ago. Mm-hmm. Where were you now? How many covers did you do last last night or two nights ago? La- so Saturday night was the last night I worked. Um, and so the New York- we record on a Monday. So yeah. Saturday night was his last night at the place. Um, the New Yorker wrote this really beautiful article review about us. They don't do reviews like one star, two star, three stars. They just write about the restaurant because they're the you know they're the voracious you know mm-hmm. uh, New Yorker. The entire Upper West Side, Upper East Side was in the restaurant last night. <laughs> really, on Saturday? Yeah, night. Saturday yeah. night we did like five or six shy of two hundred covers. Wow. Um, <laughs> Did, did, we was, were, I feel like you say like the w- New Yorker and the entire Upper East Side were people like in monocles with like carrying it, it their was, poodles. It was an older <laughs> crowd. They were all really nice. The New Yorker crowd are really, really nice people. And they really had like everyone had a great time. They're like <laughs> by far the the best thing that's happened to the restaurant up to this point was the New Yorker article. Wow. Um, the, the sushi kitchen the sushi bar was short one person oh we have a we have a very big menu we have an entire sushi menu as well okay so this the the chef and the sous chef were there and one other guy was there so they were short one guy one of my servers called out sick and i couldn't get anyone to cover so we were short one server on saturday on saturday and uh someone from the kitchen didn't come in so we're like, wow, wow, one or two people from the kitchen didn't come in because the executive chef Mina had to come in on her day off and the GM had to come in on his day off. So you guys were were you sort of in the weeds on Saturday um, or just sort of it, almost no, it, the kitchen? The kitchen was definitely in the weeds. Wow. Uh, yeah. The kitchen was like there were parts where it was like rough. Um, I had one table where I had to comp a lot of stuff for them, but they were really, really nice. Uh we just we got you know it's service you got to get through it and we did and um, it was good everyone was really happy. So uh, so that was Saturday night. Uh huh. What what happened Friday night was it? Friday night, uh, Pete Wells part two. <laughs> so uh, so for anyone who has listened to the podcast before, um, well a few episodes ago, uh, Mike and I were recording an episode in the evening. Uh, we were having some uh, Amaro cocktails, and Mike got a text that Pete Wells, the reviewer for the New York Times, had come in. And Pete's MO is that he comes into a restaurant two or three times before he reviews the place. No, so, it's at minimum three. A minimum three times. And he comes for lunch, but 
our menu is so large where I really think he has to come like four or five times. And I kind of hope he doesn't come for lunch because it's just like a smaller version. Right. That's what you were it's saying. A, it's yeah. a power lunch. I, uh, CNN, I think, just did like a, a tourist roundup of like where to eat in Manhattan in Times Square. It's like called Don't Fall into the Olive Garden Trap. <laughs> and um, they put Sensicana on there and they were like, if you want to do a power lunch that doesn't feel like the Wolf of Wall Street, like come here. Wow. Yeah. It was a cute little You guys review. are getting good press. You're mm-hmm. doing a props to your PR team. Oh, shout out Stephen Hall and yeah. uh, Rachel Snyder, who just left the team, but she's great. Uh, and Lisa Hammer. Lisa Hammer is dining with uh, someone on Fox 5 tonight for a piece at, as at well. At the restaurant? Mm-hmm. Ah. So, um, so Pete Wells came in Friday night. How do you, And you were working Friday night? I was. Uh, so Friday night, we have all four managers on. So okay. How do you, was it was it busy Friday night? Uh, when he came, no. It, he came towards the end of the night. He uh, he sat at the bar. He had a non-alcoholic cocktail, a chicha morado, which is a classic Peruvian purple corn tea. All right. Uh, his guest came. I think she had a drink. She finished at the bar. Then they sat. Um, I brought his the rest of his chicha morado over to him. He thanked me. Then the first time he was there, he ordered. Did you like slip him a hundred dollar bill? I was just like Seriously. looked at him. I was just like <laughs> you. Please, <laughs> please. My Please. life is depending yeah. on well, you right no. now. <laughs> so, like, if you read Pete Wells's writing, just like not his reviews, yeah. just like his writing, he's like a very well educated yeah, guy. Yeah, absolutely. He's and he's one of the better you know writers. I think that I so Frank Bruni was always my favorite of of the reviewers. Um, and and he's a great <sighs> columnist now. Um, but but I really love Pete Wells' style. It's it's a very everyday man, but very um, well thought and. Every word is exactly meticulous. So because of that and the way he writes, Pete Wells has a responsibility to everybody that works at any restaurant he reviews where if he like sinks a restaurant, forget about the owners, the dishwasher's out of a job. These guys can't, these like prep cooks, these line cooks can't put food on their table if he like tears apart a restaurant, which is why I hate Yelp because people don't understand that at all. His reviews, even when they're like one star reviews, mm-hmm. are they don't rip anyone apart. They're just like, well, this is what they did well. Yeah. This is what they except like per he's se. Fair. He ripped he's per se. Yeah, apart. He ripped, well, but per that's se, little, that's very different. That's different. He ripped per se apart. He ripped uh, Guy Fieri's restaurant yeah, apart. Yeah, you know, I, I feel like that was just a release for that, him. That was, was like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> this was a publicity sort of like not publicity, but like. Per, per se at the time was the most expensive restaurant in New York City. Yeah, and he ripped them apart. And uh, and I mean, really, I think that one of the best reviews that I've ever read was when he did. Uh, that was him who did Guy Fieri's. Right? He, did he also do Senor Frogs? Because that one was hilarious too. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. The was Senor, that him? The Senor Frogs one. You get sliders, and they serve it to you three sliders on a skateboard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's. I mean, and that's that's him, right? Like he is totally fine um, writing reviews like that. You know, a little tug in cheek and a little wink, wink. You know, to the to the reader, but um, but he also is you know is a serious. I mean, it's it's a big deal. He, he just wrote a piece about how every waiter in New York City is a white guy. About like there are no black female servers at really good, at good New York City restaurants. Yeah, we we have two. Uh, black female servers he touches upon these things and you know he's he's a great writer he's a he's a 
he's a great commentator he's on very New the York culture Times. of food. Very, very like what you would expect from the New York Times. It, like perfect. Yeah. Oh well. So how do you, you think it went? Okay on. Uh... Yeah. So the first time he came, he did hot food. Uh huh. The uh, second time he came, he only did sushi. Yeah, and there'll be a, a couple more times, presumably. And, yeah. Oh, um, that's it. Well, good luck. Good luck yeah, he uh, he ordered sushi, and then he was still a little hungry with his guests, so they ordered one more roll, and they ordered, um, it's called the Unagi Hako. It's uh, Hako's box pressed sushi. So it's a, yeah. a square of rice, avocado, sancho pepper, which is a Japanese pepper that makes your tongue a little numb and really delicious, uh, eel and the egg omelet, the tamago. Mm-hmm. The eel's done in a ahi panka kobe, kebisaki, which is a <laughs> Peruvian tough. pepper. And then kebisaki is like a teriyaki sauce for fish. And then crispy quinoa and bonito flakes. So I just went up to Pete Wells. I was like, oh, that is like the most decadent thing. He's like, oh, yeah. Like, yes, it is. And like <laughs> laughed. And like, that was that. So that's then, cool. But here's the craziest shit. So they leave. They left at like eleven thirty. I was cut at ten, but I wasn't leaving until they left. Right. I'll be like, you can't. Yeah, no, there's no way. Yeah. So um, he left. So I'm like, he's gone. I'm ready to just jolt out of there. I go out, and he, they're still outside. So I go back in, and I tell the GM, "Hey, they're still there." And then he goes out there, and he's like writing. Pete Wells is like writing notes down, and like for like fifteen minutes, he's out there. Wow. Yeah, he was taking pictures while he was like dining, but that doesn't look. That's not that weird in uh, 2016. 2017. 2017. Yeah, it wasn't weird in 2016. It was not weird in 2016. And uh, when you look at his Instagram, Pete Wells, there's really great food photos, but they're all of restaurants he's reviewed already. So like, I wouldn't expect that he would take photo. Like he's not doing food porn on Instagram. Like he's he'll you know it's it's for his pieces. Mm -hmm. So like a month later, uh, or or like the last food picture that he put up was a restaurant that he reviewed in like the middle of September. Okay, so stuff like that. I find that whole thing fascinating. I Mm I I I'm a news geek. I'm a food geek. I'm a journalism geek. I you know that sort of. That role is the intersection of so many interests of mine. So you have to kill that, yeah. Pete Wells and take his identity in. <laughs> exactly. I have to eat his soul or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, good luck. <laughs> if he doesn't give us a good review, feel free to uh, kill, kill Pete Wells. That's a... <laughs> We're going to then, – then this podcast will be your main source of income. <laughs> oh, and God. all the money that we're making, we're rolling in it right Jesus. now. <laughs> okay, enough about me. Oh, all right. <laughs> so, you uh, you had a festival of sorts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it last week or two weeks ago? Um, we uh, I decided that. Uh, so, all right, I'm going to give you a little bit of background here. So, for years, um, my cousin Mikey and I used to um, do this pig roast. Um, probably six or seven years in a row, we did this gigantic pig roast, which you know. 100 people come over, we eat a pig, and everyone brings sides, and it turned into this, you know, ridiculous party. Um, I I missed it. Mikey moved to California. I miss Mikey. I miss throwing the party with him. Um, I, so this year, I wasn't about to take on a whole pig roast on my own. Um, next year, I will. Mikey, if you're listening to this thing, I'm coming to California. I'm going to kidnap you in October. You're going to come back here in New York, and we're going to do a fall pig roast together. But to tide me over until that moment... 
um, I decided to have uh, a little a little party um, at the. I have a house out east on the North Fork of Long Island. Um, this fixer upper house that we bought and uh, we just bought a few months ago, and we decided to have sort of our first party there. So not huge, you know. We had probably twenty, a little over twenty people there, um, and not enough people to really necessitate roasting a pig. So what what do you think the correct number of people that you need to roast a pig for is? Forty. Forty. So yeah. half a pig. Half a pig. I could have done. I could have done the, the suckling. I guess <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> so so I started you know coming up with ideas of large format meals like what could I do and you know everything ranging from oh I'm gonna go buy like twenty chickens and slow smoke them over a fire pit to I I don't know I'm gonna go get like legs of lamb or you know whatever I settled on I settled on doing a giant paella and the way that I did that was a couple weeks earlier wait Tom what's in a paella a paella what's in a paella <laughs> well what, I made what does paella mean so uh, well a paella is actually the pan yes the paella Facts. yeah you, you were testing me weren't you yes <laughs> The paella is actually a pan that cooks a meal, um, and inside that pan is usually some sort of paella. Sort of, yeah, paella is what we call it in the U.S. a paella. Um, so I made a paella for, I mean, it, it probably could have fed 35 people. <laughs> it was definitely more than we needed. But a couple weeks earlier, I had uh, just rebuilt the fire pit in the backyard of this house out on the North Fork of Long Island. And I started thinking, well, what can I cook over this thing? Um, and I know that uh, paella is something in the traditional Spanish paella is cooked over an open fire outside. It's a big, large format meal. Um, and coincidentally, right after that, I started reading all these articles. Have you been reading these articles about Jose Andres? Um, only the the Trump stuff. That's the last time I saw him but in the... What's he, what he's doing is he's in Puerto Rico right now. And oh. He's feeding hundreds of thousands of people by making giant paellas every day. <laughs> and he's incredible. like, I mean, he's got these tents where he makes these, you know, 10 foot diameter paella meals and people just come and he's feeding hundreds of thousands of people literally over the past couple of weeks. Um, and that's, you know, he's been a big part of the recovery efforts in, in Puerto Rico. But anyway, that was... Um, I wasn't. I wish I could say I was inspired. I was. I'm inspired by him for many, many other reasons. But that's not the reason we decided to do a paella fest. Um, so we did a. What do we do? Uh, I bought this gigantic paella pan um, or paella. Yeah, um, paella pan is kind of. It, it's like saying pan pan. Yeah. <laughs> I bought this gigantic paella, thirty they, inches they wide. They say that in sushi places we'll call them maki rolls, and that's literally yeah. roll. Maki maki. Yeah. <laughs> um. So it's you know. A paella is very thin. A paella, the pan, is a very thin carbon steel pan that um, can get very, very hot very quickly, but can also distribute the heat very evenly. So bought this gigantic one. I sort of retrofitted my fire pit so that um, I moved some bricks around so that the paella will go right on top of it. And a couple hours before people started showing up, I uh, got a big old fire going. I seasoned the pan with some oil and kept it going it was a, it was a it was a process <laughs> how long did you spend cooking paella Honestly, if you if you want to talk about from the beginning from seasoning it how from building the fire to eating okay so from building the fire to eating was probably 
four and a half to five hours. Oh, that's not crazy. No. I thought but, you were going to say like eight hours. No, 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 no. No, I mean, a paella, and this is what I realized um, when doing all the research around this, is the paella itself, uh, to cook the actual meal, takes like 45 minutes. I with mean, all the seafood? With all the clams and yep. everything? Yeah, everything. So I did a um, chicken chorizo seafood paella. So um, got this gigantic pan, threw some chicken thighs in it, browned the chicken thighs, took them out, um, put my sofrito. Sofrito is um, you know tomatoes and, and garlic and paprika, you know the Spanish paprika. Um, put that in there, some chicken stock, some clam stock. The, the special rice that you use for, for the dish is called a bambo rice, B-O-M-V-O. And so I use that. It's very, very um, thick, sort of, um, it's almost like a Spanish risotto. Like a borio, right? Yeah, yeah. People use a borio for it. It's not as creamy as a borio. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, and then what did I, oh, some clams and some mussels uh, and some shrimp. And just threw it all in there. Um you get it going, you get it all cooking until the rice sort of firms up and or softens, but still has a little bit of a bite to it. And then this, this was the most challenging part, and I didn't really think this through. Um, you're supposed to completely, you're supposed to turn the heat up so that you get a nice crust on the bottom. And I forget what it's called, um, but there's a, you know, the, the rice is supposed to get crispy on the bottom of the pan, um, which is fine when you're working, you know, in a 12 inch skillet on your stove, but when you're working over a fire pit, it's a little Can't bit really rough to control the heat. <laughs> so I sat there with the, the billows from my fireplace, like the old, <laughs> old school, like, you know, getting getting the air in the fire. And I sat there for like 10 minutes just pumping air into it so that I can get the, the coals nice and hot to crisp the bottom. And and it was Did a success. It worked? It worked? It was a, yeah. People loved it. It was great. I mean... I'm doing this again. I'm doing it. I'm doing it next year. You're invited to Paella Fest 2018. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it, it was surprising. Um, surprising how well it came out. This was a total. Were there crunchy. any leftovers? Yeah, yeah. But I left some. Um, I brought brought some home. My son was eating it like crazy. Oh I, yeah. I'm like I threw away the clams and stuff. I'm not a big no. leftover seafood person. Oh, but at, you know, at the steakhouse, people would try and take um the raw oysters home. I'm like, no, sorry. I'm like, I I literally will kill you. Like, I cannot do that for you. Yeah, and they're like, just throw some ice in. I was like, no, no. Like, y- you can eat them here. I like you paid for them. You can eat them here. I'm not giving you these to go. Yeah, sorry. I'm not That's gonna not... give you salmonella. Yeah. <laughs> to <take them> <laughs> Here, have I, my, some botulism my, in a doggy bag. My favorite thing to do at restaurants is tell people no. Even <laughs> if it's to save their life, still to tell people no is my absolute favorite thing because I never get to do it. I mean, honestly, most people that are ordering at a nice restaurant deserve to be told no once in a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway, so yeah, now I've got this giant paella pan to add to my you kitchen gadgets. You have to gadgets. name it. Uh, I've got to name the You pan. have to name you have to. It had like it it's important. It's not just like, like a pot or something. Like it, it like has I, a purpose. You know, you said I had never thought about that, but the minute that you said that you have to name it, I just thought it's it's El Scorcho. El, El Scorcho. Exactly. It's a Weezer song. It's you know, El Scorcho, my paella fan. So right now my paella is is wrapped up in uh saran wrap so it doesn't get rusty. It's down in down in the basement and it will come out. It is added to my arsenal of kitchen gadgets. <laughs> so, what what are some of the gadgets that you have? Like, you, do you have any gadgets in a kitchen arsenal? Um, 
No, I didn't have a blender until like two weeks ago. What? Yeah, I, I had. I, mean, I had I, a blender in I don't, college. No, I don't know what happened. To, I don't know what happened to my Nutribullet. So like, I went. and I got like a thirty dollar blender. Um, I, I have a Vitamix. <laughs> my, so my friend's dad owns a rest like kitchen supply shop, and I was like, "What can he do for me on a Vitamix?" And he told me he can get give it to me for cost, and it's still like stupid expensive. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Well, I, there are a few things like that I five years ago, if you would have told me that I spent this much money on X, I would have punched you in the face. Like, said, no, there's no way. But my Vitamix is one of those things where it is completely no, it's worth it's it. totally worth it. it yeah. a, a Vitamix can make a soup in five minutes. Yeah, hey, you, you yeah. throw it all in there, turn it on. The friction just heats it up. You can yeah. throw in whatever you want in there and. It just blends it to to like this perfect consistency. Um, so we've got uh, to- totally worth it. Just, it's just expensive. Absolutely. I'm trying to think the other. I, I think one of the most important things is just a good vegetable peeler. Oh yeah. Like the, the, che- the cheap. Yeah, the cheap vegetable peelers are like the ones to get. Not like these crazy ridiculous ones. Just a regular vegetable peeler mm-hmm. is so actually you can get like some metal Y peelers that are like really sturdy. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, OXO. I love the OXO brand. OXO anything, you know, the OXO peelers, um, OXO spatulas, anything like that. Mm-hmm. I, I love. I mean, I, I feel like kitchen gadgets can be can be put into two sort of buckets. There's the there's the essentials that are cheap that you mm-hmm. don't need to go out and spend. You know, that a you bunch shouldn't. Of money. You, you, you shouldn't. Do not. Do yeah. Not. I think number one for me, and I don't know if this is an essential, but number one for me is a fillet knife. A fillet uh, knife for boning. Well, no, like like I I make a lot of fish, and I okay. grew up fishing, so I like I grew up on boats with. Did you also listen to a lot of Billy Joel? I did, I did, yeah. And I, yeah, I sang Down Easter Alexa every morning when I woke up when before I went out to the fishing. <laughs> I'm gonna put echo effect in there, uh, but. When we were, uh, when, when Kristen and I, when my wife and I were getting married, we were registering for things, and I, I was like, all right, let's register for a set of knives, and I got this, like, really Vustoff. nice Wustoff fillet knife, and... I didn't even know he had a Wustoff fillet knife. I did. I, just I have a Wustoff fillet knife. That was just a, a, a shot in the dark. And it's, uh, it is not as good as the $5 fillet knife with a white handle, r- white rubber handle that you buy at a fish store. Like, I would just buy that. Like that is one of those things. Same thing. Like you don't need the really fancy Wusthof oyster knife. Go to like a bait shop and get an oyster knife. I mean, I'm sure these are not essentials. These are not kitchen essentials. These are these things are that are Long in my Island kitchen. kitchen essentials. Yeah, these are Tom Miali kitchen essentials: a fillet knife and an oyster knife. Um, but things that will not break the bank that are essentials: spatulas, like little. Uh, I'm not talking about like um, you know burger flipping spatulas. I'm talking about like the the rubber scrapers. Uh huh. I feel like, like ba- I call those like baking spatulas. Yeah, baking spatulas. Like everybody should have those. Um, tongs, kitchen oh tongs. Yo, game changer. I mean, <laughs> I've got <laughs> literally game changers. Kitchen tongs. When we were um outfitting the kitchen in the house out east, I said, look, you know, we don't really need to have a lot of stuff here, but I need four sets of tongs. I need. Two metal tongs, one long and one short, and two metal tongs that have silicone or plastic on the tips of them for using in non-stick pans and things like that. That, some whisks, some metal mixing bowls, and that's really, and you know, one or two good knives is what you need. 
Yeah. Um, you need a chef, a 10 chef knife. Yeah. A $50 10-inch chef knife, I feel like, is perfect. Yeah. And um, one other just knife that feels good. I like to have a serrated knife for vegetables. For like, I like, yeah, a I, serrated bread knife I like. I, I, yeah, I cut beefsteak tomatoes with a serrated knife. That's like, <laughs> if I have tomatoes, like, I grab the serrated knife. When we got married, um, and I hate, I hate kitchen devices that are supposed to just be single-use kitchen devices. What, what is Alton Brown, though? Alton Brown call them? Oh, I don't know. He, They're he, like t- space wasters or something. Yeah. But we have a tomato knife that we got for our wedding. And what? It's it's are you serrated still, on the do tip. Do you know who bought really nice. the, yeah, that? It, yeah, it's someone. Um, one of my wife's friends, uh, her old friends from college who lives in Australia now. Um, she sent it to us, and she thought it was sort of a cool, quirky little. It's a ceramic knife. <laughs> That has um, a serrated sort of half blade, and then the rest of the blade is, you know, like a regular um, knife. And I guess the idea is that the serrated part, you know, sort of starts the cut in the tomato, and then the rest. Of, and it's really good. It's great. I mean, I it's ten years later, and the the knife still is as sharp as ever, and it can still cut a nice thin tomato slice if you want it. Um, but it's unnecessary. As long as you have a sharp knife, you don't need that. Nobody yeah. needs a tomato knife or like an avocado. Uh, oh, those avocado separators or whatever yeah. they are. Unitasker. Yeah, That's unitasker. what Alton Brown calls them. Ugh, they're so bad. We have a $10,000 unitasker at the restaurant. What's that? It's a Bonito Flake Shaver. <laughs> well, I mean, you're it's in a commercial a, it's kitchen. It's a little yeah. different, but like it's a $10,000 unit. And we yes. use a lot of Bonito Flake. <laughs> Well, <laughs> it's a total necessity, but like it literally only does one thing. So and I'm not that putting one that thing in. Is yeah, shave bonito. That's not going on my Christmas list. That's not even going into my um like Anything. my other bucket of like non-essential but really awesome kitchen gadgets. No, <laughs> you, you can just buy bonito flake if you if you need it that bad. What um, I'm trying to think what other like oh a crock so, pot. Crock a, a crock pot is one. You are you an Instapot person? Uh, Do you know what an Instapot is? I no, I I know what pot is. It, I, I'm definitely an Instapot person, like in a different way. I, I do not think you that means what. You're yeah, no, <laughs> no. I, you keep saying that yeah. pot. <laughs> so Instapot is um oh my god it, it's like the rage it was last Christmas everyone got Instapots there it's a combination <laughs> rice cooker slash slow cooker slash pressure cooker. It's like a hundred bucks on oh. on Amazon. Yeah, people love it. It. I mean, there's a cult. I mean, I have an old school. Um, so I have a I have a pressure cooker which I love. Um, I have a slow cooker, which is starting to get some wear and tear. Like, and admittedly, right now when I'm put when I put the slow cooker away, I sort of almost drop it a little bit just so it breaks, so I can go justify getting an Instapot. Um, but this Instapot apparently takes the place of everything and it is cultish. Like every, people who have the Instapot say that it is the greatest thing in the world. Oh, wow. Yeah. Maybe that's what I'll buy. So yeah, it's supposed to be pretty good. Um, I, when I, when I came home from college, I, when I wasn't like working enough to like live on my own, I was living at my grandma's house and she didn't have an oven. The mm-hmm. oven was broken. So I had a pressure cooker or not pressure cooker, a crock pot. I made crock pot lasagna. And like, really? Yeah, it came out good. You um, you cook the meat, then you buy the lasagna. You don't cook the lasagna. You just put so it's like so- dried pasta. Yeah, cheese and, with, okay. and you just put everything in. You have to like be able to 
move stuff and like be comfortable yeah. with like getting your hands in there and everything. Just so it cooks in the sauce. I I like my crock pot for certain things. Like I I, I, I use I'll braise uh, beef cheeks or you know I make chili in ribs. it. Yeah, chili I think is great. Um, I use it for we at the pig roast every year. We used to use it for mold cider. We would just mm-hmm. make apple cider, put it in there, and then have a little mold cider bar with some you know rum and bourbon next to it, so people can mix it in if they wanted to. Fireball. Fireball. Yes, fireball. We discovered that a couple of years ago. Putting fireball with apple cider. Fireball <laughs> cider. is only good in apple cider. If you're a grown ass, I I used to work in a wine shop. If you were a grown ass man and bought fireball, I would still ID you just to make a point. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> just, I, yeah, but they're like ID. Come on, yeah, but you're buying fireball. You're buying fireball. So either you need you need to be checked, or you're buying it for like some sixteen year old around the corner. <laughs> so what are some? Uh, I, I mean, I'm a big fan of big gadgets. You have all the things I want to have. You have a Vita Mix. You have a sous vide machine. I feel like you might have like a small fridge just for curing meat. Um. No, but I'm always on the look. I, first of all, see, I, see. I cure meat in. Um, I built a. I built out a little closet down in my basement that has you know cement walls, um, so that I can make it into a wine cellar slash meat curing chamber. Um, I do have. It is temperature controlled and it is humidity controlled in there. <laughs> I built that out myself. It's all like total MacGyver. You know, I went to some industrial parts place and paid fifty bucks for like a uh, some device that keeps the humidity you know going and things you like should that. put cigars in that room too when you're I curing don't smoke cigars anymore man i, I just can't <laughs> i smoke about six cigars a year that's <laughs> yeah i think i smoke two and every time i'm like after i'm done i'm like uh, you know i shouldn't have probably smoked that cigar oh they can't be big they have to be like smaller whenever i go to europe or the yeah whenever i go to europe i get the uh Cohiba cigarillos, so yeah, the, the, cig- <laughs> the cigarette size cigars. Because yep. everyone in Europe smokes anyway. <laughs> so I and I don't like cigarettes. So like that's how I fit in. <laughs> yeah, no, we we don't have any cigars down there. But I am always on the lookout, honestly, for unlike Craigslist and stuff, for like old refrigerators that I could retrofit into meat curing chambers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think what other what other weird gadgets do it i like my sears all i love my sears all do you know what a sears all is i think it's the the gun right the, the little flamethrower no it's not like so that's like a brulee torch what yeah. you're talking about this is like um a brulee torch that you hook to um a giant like um blowtorch you hook it up to like an industrial blowtorch thing so you and... also own an industrial blowtorch yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. okay of course yeah. duh um, but this the Searsol um, has an attachment that goes on the little spout where the propane comes out, and it spreads it. It diffuses it. So it's like having, um, you know, like you have a salamander in the mm-hmm. restaurant. This is like having a portable salamander that's probably four inches in di- diameter so that you can just sear things. Like, you know, when I, when I reheat pizza, <laughs> I, take, I take a slice of pizza, I put it in a pan, um, and I crisp up the bottom of it, and then I take the Searsol blowtorch and blowtorch the top of the pizza, and now now you got the perfect reheated pizza. When I reheat pizza, I take it out of the fridge and I eat it. <laughs> and I, I knew you were gonna say that. I mean, I do that too. <laughs> I so Danny's House of Pizza is like the best pizzeria in Queens. Uh, it's Action Bronson's favorite pizzeria. I live across the street from it, 
and they just started doing this. They're famous for two reasons. They do uh, sweet sauce pies, and then they do pesto pies. And their pesto is besto. Pesto is insane. And now they do pesto Sicilian by order only. You have to order a whole pie. So I ordered a pie of the pesto Sicilian. I had three slices for lunch the day I got it. Then I had like... Three slices of Sicilian? Yeah. Oh, I, man. Then I had, it's like eating five loaves of bread. I had a slice for breakfast yesterday, and I had two slices for breakfast today. <laughs> and my roommate had two other slices. Oh, man. It was glorious. And so there was nothing left over to Sears all? No, it's, I mean, it's gone. Th- it was literally, I had to wake up at like 7 a.m. for like 20 minutes today. So like I just had those. <laughs> and I went back to sleep. You had those and went back to sleep. I had to like do I like did what I had to do and then went back to sleep. <laughs> that sounds sketchy. I don't want to know. <laughs> no. Oh man, but yeah, no. I I love that. I love my sous vide machine. I think my sous vide machine and my Sears all go hand in hand because why you, would they not? Yeah, no, they have to. Honestly, like <laughs> I got the two of them together. I got them in like a, like a package. I did. I got one for I think I got one for my birthday and then I asked for the other one for for my birthday. <laughs> Uh, I I talked to Tom uh, about how I don't like salmon, and the first time I told him that was like, no, I make sous vide salmon, and it's the only good way to eat salmon. Yeah, because salmon tastes like cat. It uh, t- tastes like cat food if you cook it too much. I like salmon sushi. I like raw salmon mm-hmm. that's been like uh, seasoned with like really delicious sushi sauces, but but regular salmon I I don't like. On Friday night, I made sous vide salmon. Um, with za'atar spices. That's a Middle Eastern uh, yeah. spice. Spice mix. It's got some sesame seeds. It's got uh, some thyme. Or it's got herbs. And, it, it's you know. very like Mediterranean more than Middle Eastern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I served it over um, some lentils that I made. Some very Middle Eastern, like a cold, a, a warm Middle Eastern lentil salad, and then some uh, mustard greens that I sautéed real quick. And that was my that was my Friday night meal. Um, and we had sneaky that. healthy. It was. It was. Well, I mean, man cannot live on pork jowl alone. <laughs> I tried. I tried my hardest, and then, you know, then I turned forty. <laughs> but yeah, no, that 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 was awesome. Friday night. That was my Friday night. Day. I mean, Saturday night. I had pork chops that were the size of my head. That were from Mitch. Yeah, from Mitch. Shout out, Mitch. Mitch. <laughs> I got Mitched. <laughs> I got. I totally got Mitch. Mitch just went. We're here. we're gonna get Mitch yeah. on here. Mitch will be like, hey guys. Half the reason just to see what Mitch would do on a podcast. <laughs> and the other half of the reason, honestly, because butchering is like a dying art. And like, I would like to. He's an old school butcher, man. He's he's great. <laughs> mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah. So we had a giant pork chops and with some uh, some spicy. Uh, I made some spicy Italian hot sauce to, to put on and it was delicious. So yeah, uh, but oh, so sous vide salmon. The thing about sous vide salmon is <laughs> we're going back to this because sous vide salmon is a game. I'm going to convince you. I am going to no. Make just you. I told you, I make it for me it. and I'll eat it. Yeah. I won't say no to food. I've had I've had two instances of friends who make salmon. One does it on the grill. One does like a a pineapple marinade type thing, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Listen, just try it." And I said, "Okay, sure." And both times I said, wow, you did a very good job, and I would like this if I liked salmon. <laughs> well, but you like the salmon flavor. No, I don't like the salmon flavor. But you flavor. like salmon sushi. Yeah. I, I, I like it raw. Baby, yeah, I like baby, it I raw. Like it. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I like it raw. I I don't like it 
cooked. I, I don't understand. Okay, so... I, I don't know what you don't understand. It's very... It's simple. I I, I, <laughs> I'm just thinking that you haven't had it cooked properly. I, and I'm telling you... Because I will fully admit that salmon can go from delicious to cat food in a matter of seconds. It like, just... It tastes too fishy. Like, that. The, the salmon taste for me is oh, like a fishy taste. You, you're Now you're, you're disrespecting my Long Island fisherman yeah, heritage here. Anyone true. that ever tells me that something is too fishy... Like, I, never had I like bluefish... I, and that's like an oily fish. It is, fish. Yeah. yeah. I, I'll try anything. All right. Yeah. I will. I, I, I will make you some, yeah. some food. Some, some cat food. Some sous vide salmon. <laughs> I'm, I'm more than happy to try it. <laughs> well, I think the, on that note, unless you've got something else you want um, to add. Well, just about the sous vide machine. Okay. Uh, the best eggs in the world are in the Momofuku ramen. Oh, yeah. Yep. And that's because they sous vide their ramen. And when you put your spoon into it... They sous vide the egg. This, um, yes, they yeah. don't sous vide the ramen. They sous vide the eggs. And when you put your spoon into the egg, the yolk falls out of the egg perfectly yep. and remains a perfect yolk. Yes. It becomes this creamy sort it of... Is, yeah. It's it, like I've dreamt... Of, I've never... It was one... It, like people go to like Peter Luger's and they're He's like, flustered. oh... He's flustered. He's flustered yeah, right now. Flabbergasted. Flabbergasted. People go to Peter Luger's and they're like, oh, that's the best steak I've ever had. This is literally the best egg I've ever had. And I knew it was the best egg I've ever had the second I ate it. Like, <laughs> it's When I first got um, my immersion circulator, I, which is you know, the device that you use to, you know, to make sous vide food, um, probably spent the, the first three or four recipes was, were eggs. I spent a little bit of time researching how to get the perfect egg. And... It's amazing. It's amazing. Like, if you like poached eggs, you can't do it any other way than with an immersion circulator. It shits all over a poached egg. I mean, yeah. it's, it's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's, it, the yolk becomes creamy. It becomes like a pudding almost. But it literally falls out yeah. of the, the whites perfectly. It's, it's insane. Yeah. Mike and I just had uh, – we had some local, local ramen. And as soon as the egg came out, I looked at it and I was just – I was disappointed. It was just like a hard-boiled... Hard-boiled egg cut in half. I mean, it was, it was like a tea egg. It was definitely... It had the flavor to it, but it was not... Um, it wasn't a Momofuku it perfect wasn't a Momofuku egg. perfect egg. The perfect egg. I mean, the sous vide... It, that's the thing, is that it takes a lot of the guesswork out of... You can do... You can transform things that you would not normally be able to transform, but it also takes the guesswork out of a lot of um, crazy, intense recipes. It makes things easier. Like, I make... Uh, last year for... For the holidays, I made um, eggnog pot de creme. So, and you just take a, it's like you, you make these little custards and you put them in little mason jars, throw them into a water bath with an immersion circulator, and that's it. And then when you're ready to serve them, you just take them out and now you've you got go. these perfect little you know custards in, in cute little mason jars because, you know, I'm a hipster you, like that. You just can't put raw garlic in a sous vide machine. You can't... Um, any sort of fresh vegetable for long baths. Anything that's going to be a long bath, it's a food. It becomes a food safety issue because, yeah. really, what you're doing, what what they teach you is what was it, um, forty to one forty. Forty to one forty one. So forty degrees between forty degrees and one hundred and forty. Forty one to one forty one temperature danger zone. Yeah, that's the temperature danger zone. So um, when you're cooking something in an immersion circulator in a sous vide bath. Um, you're usually cooking it at around like 125, 130. So you're sort of cooking it in that food danger zone area. 
um, which is fine if you have seared your meat or and also just under four hours. It's fine for it to be out yeah. for like two hours. Right. So like when you want to do something, if you want to do like a five hour short rib sous vide and use some fresh garlic in there, basically you're creating a pouch that is just full of botulism and that's it. Like I did, did it once and I learned the hard way. It was, did you I, get sick or did you no, 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 I'm smelling it, is, it. It was amazing. It, this is an amazing, like I, I eat everything. I will eat any, I will try anything once off putting smells. I'm like, okay, I'll deal with it. You know, whatever. I opened up, I tried to do um, 36 hour short ribs. I read that if you cook short ribs rare for 36 hours, it comes out with the texture of a ribeye, but the taste and flavor of um, short ribs, that really beefy flavor. So 36 hours, um, I did not put any garlic or anything in it like that, but as soon as I opened the bag, I realized that there must've been some bacteria or something on the short ribs that normally it's would putrid. get off. Smelled like blue cheese. It was, I don't know what it smelled like, but it smelled like my body telling me, you cannot eat this. Do not put this in me. Like this, wow. this will come right out. And it, from that, like, it amazed me. I've never had a moment where the, my body is just telling me, don't eat When this. you buy a sous vide machine, do they tell you about the temperature danger zone? Or are they just like, oh, here you go. Um, Enjoy. They'll give you some recipes and they'll tell you, they'll, they'll be warning. Some do's and don'ts. Yeah, some do's and don'ts. Don't put in fresh, you know, vegetables or garlic for long So did you just redo time. it without garlic? Um, no, what I did the next time I did it, uh, I seared the meat on all sides before mm-hmm. I put it in the bath because that kills any bacteria that's on the outside. Oh, okay. of it. Then I put it in the bath for three or four days. And then when I took it out, I seared it again. It still wasn't great. It didn't live up to... Mm. I, I will say that my favorite thing that I've ever done in the sous vide is I took a, um, a pork shoulder. Okay. Perneal. Uh, but what I did was I cut sort of a, a little, I would say maybe 18 inches by you know, six inch rectangle. Uh, so it looked like, almost looked like a belly, you know, but I mm-hmm. took that little piece of the, of the shoulder. Um, I butterflied it uh, with the skin on and everything. I stuffed it with some herbs. I rolled it up. So now you've got this like pork roll mm-hmm. that's got skin on the outside of it, like a porchetta. Yeah. That, that's the word I was thinking. Like of. a mini porchetta. Mm-hmm. Then I took that and I sous vide that for 24 hours. And Did then you I took it that? out and deep fried it. Oh, wow. Yeah, I took it out. I let it. Do you have a deep fryer? No, I did it in a wok mm. because I felt like um, that was the biggest thing, thing that I had. That and I did that. it outside on my barbecue grill because I didn't want that in the kitchen splattering everywhere. And If I had a deep fryer, that's game over. I, I, I almost got one like a year ago, and I was just like, nope, I can't do it. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I know what You'll this will do. You'll find me on the floor <laughs> dead of a heart attack within the next six months if I had a deep fryer in this house. My children will be all around me eating deep fried Oreos, mourning their the loss of their father. Deep frying cake. Yeah. Just... Uh, I would have a I would have a, a blog called Will It Deep Fry? Yes. <laughs> deep fried everything. Oh, we totally forgot about cast iron pans. Oh, I love my cast iron pan. Huge, huge uh, game changer, life changer. A good cast, cast iron yeah. Pan. I think people overuse nonstick pans. I what I did um, in college, I would uh, take a, a cast iron pan and get it hot, like four or five hundred degrees. Pull it out, put it on the uh, just on top of the stove, and uh-huh. then just cook a steak like that. Yeah. Oh, totally. 
and it comes out great. If I can't, I mean, sometimes if I don't want to deal with smoke in the kitchen, but I want that sear from cast iron, I just take that my cast iron pan and throw it on the grill. I mean, I I love the sear that a cast iron oh, pan gives. Have you ever bought grill mats? They're great. I haven't. I've seen them on like infomercials. I and... yo. Yeah, they're good. I, I hate. I've talked about how much I hate cleaning. Um, they're great. But yeah. is it like it's like a non-stick surface? Is it gonna? Yeah, you no, know, like it, a... it still gets grill marks. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't care about grill marks. You, I just listen, want that sear. I, if you hate, if you hate cl- cleaning as much as I do, it's worth like the ten dollars, and you should try it out. And if you don't like it, yeah, eh. I'll, I'll give them to you. No, I don't have a grill anymore. <laughs> the, leaving my grandma's house, the worst part about it was losing my grill. Oh man, yeah. I I I feel like. I, I, I went to my friend's house in Westchester to barbecue this summer. Literally, I told her I'm only going if I can man the grill. And she's like, yeah, of course. Like, what? You you thought you weren't going to be the one? <laughs> I, I, so grilling, the thing that I love about grilling is you've got your grates and it gives you the smoky char. Like, and that's, that's what you get from cast iron. I also, I'm a huge believer in carbon steel too. Carbon steel pans are sort of a lighter version of cast iron, but really serve the same sort of purpose. Um, they just come in more versatile sizes and shapes. Um, cast iron is huge, though. Cast iron, we, I've got two cast iron pans. One I've had for, it's got to be, I don't know, I, it's been passed down probably. It's got to be 30 years old. Then I've got older than one. me. Yeah. And then I've got another one that I bought um, to put in my in my smoker to hold like wood chips and stuff. Um, I feel like you go buy cast iron. Go buy it. You'll, you'll have the best eggs in the world. Eggs that are done in a uh, non If you like eggs, this is a great episode. Oh, yeah. This is the egg episode. But non, non-stick cookware, when you cook an egg in non-stick cookware, you don't get that fry around the outside of it. You, know, it's, you don't get it. You don't get the crispiness. Cast iron, cast iron, cast iron, cast iron. That's what you got to do. Cast iron frying pan. I also have a cast iron Dutch oven. For making, you know, slow braises and things like that. Love it. Um, <laughs> that's about it. The best and then really quick, uh, wine keys is something I want to touch on. I hate those, uh, the the wine keys that look like a person. The, I, wing, yeah. the, wing, the winged keys. I hate them. They're yeah. terrible. Uh, waiters corkscrews yep. with the hinge. People think that they're hard to use. They're not. They're much easier to use. They're much quicker. Um, if you go on Amazon, we'll put a link up in the blog. Yeah. Uh, there's a wine. If you search wine key, it's literally the first hit. It's a ten dollar wine key. It's a double hinged key. So I feel the double hinged is key. Double not, man. I mean, double during, hinge is the way to go. During wine service, it's so important to have a double hinge. So what that lets you do is you dig the corkscrew in, and you don't go that far. Or I'm sorry, you go very, very far down, and you the the second hinge latches on, and you pull up a little bit, and then you go, and now that it's up, you can use the first hinge, and it gets it. So you're able to get the corkscrew all the way in, and you, uh, you'll have a hundred percent success rate uh, opening wine. Yeah, and it's just more versatile. Like if you if you mess up, if something is corked and the cork is dry or something, you can you it's can a lot easier come back, you know, and and sort of redeem yourself with that bar with the uh, the waiters you know wine key instead of the thing i always thought it looked like um a, a, a priest sort of giving a uh, blessing oh, those those other ones from the exorcist the head spinning <laughs> that, that's like that's because i grew up in an italian catholic family <laughs> everything was a priest giving a blessing <laughs> 
yeah, no, I think that's it. Yeah, I think uh, on that note, um, that's it. So well, thanks for listening. We'll uh, we'll come back next time where we'll talk about more about eggs. Probably we're gonna have links for uh, all of our items in our blog post. Yeah, definitely check out notafoodie.com. Um, go to the episode blog post, and there'll be a list of all the things that we talked about. And all every single one of those things is something that either Mike or I own. Or there are things that Tom owns and I want to own. <laughs> so if anyone wants to just buy me a Vitamix, I'm I'm about that too. Vitamix over sous vide machine, I think. I think I would have uh, more use for it at oh, this point in my life. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. That's a conversation. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I'm not even. I can't. It's a I Sophie's can't. choice. That's like I keep choosing between my children. There's no way I can't do that. Oh wait, can't be like. There's another thing. This is this is going to be a long podcast. <laughs> Thermopen, my Thermopen. Do you have? Do you know what a Thermopen is? No. Oh my god! All right. So, this is one of those things where if you told me ten years ago that I would spend a hundred dollars on a meat thermometer. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Wait, my my roommate is a he's he works in construction, <laughs> so he has a uh, one of them. Uh, oh no, no, no! This is not a laser pen. Oh, this yeah. Is, this he, is a um. It is a precise meat thermometer. That has a thermocoupler on the end of it. So you stick it in or you just touch it? You stick it in, but it immediately will give you a reading. You don't have to wait a second or whatever. It's $100. It is, I mean, the the end of it is like needle thin. So so you're not going to screw up your fish or anything like that. Um, It gives you an instant. Like, you know, everyone that says every instant read thermometer takes five to seven seconds to give you an accurate reading. Five to seven seconds is a lifetime when you've got your oven open or you're trying to get something. Perfect like medium rare. Exactly. 125 degrees, you 124 degrees, whatever it is, you've got it, you know, and that's it. My roommate uses his, uh, what he, he has one, but it's for pipes because when you're like yeah. doing work. Is it the laser one? Yeah, it's the yeah. laser one. So he uses <laughs> from his tools, he pulls it out to like make sure it's like cooked. When I went on vacation every year um we used to go and we used to rent this house on the beach and i would bring my thermopen with me i'd be a, bring a cocktail muddler with me um and a, a chef knife and an oyster knife those are the things that i packed in my little you know kitchen roll and one year um we were on vacation and i got sick and i had these fevers and i had no idea like what was going on i just sat there with a thermopen next to my bed and i was taking my temperature with it and when we went to the doctor the doctor's like what's your fever i was like well uh, it's a little bit it's like a rare steak <laughs> he's like you've been put, sticking that thing in your mouth i'm like yeah he's like isn't it sharp <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it works <laughs> okay well on that note <laughs> thanks I- for listening <laughs> yeah um yes <laughs> all right thanks for listening we'll uh look, we'll talk, talk to, to you, you soon time. yeah <laughs> uh at not a foodie picks on instagram mike at not a foodie.com tom at not a foodie.com yeah email us anything you you're thinking about anything you want us to cover uh if you bought any of if you buy any of those things and you think they're great let us know if you buy any of those things and you think they suck uh you're wrong (laughs) but let us know yeah let us know um yeah thank you so much have a great day